Hello and welcome to another episode of Book Faces Live, the show where we talk the faces behind your books. I'm Nathan Van Koops, I'm your host, and I'm happy to be back for another episode. The topic of this episode is going to be the Novelist Inc. Conference and what I've learned from it this year at the 2019 conference. Um, I see a few people are watching already. Uh, Summer's watching. I saw Marilyn was watching. Um, Joe Solari is watching. Hi, Joe. John D. Patton's watching. All right, some, some familiar faces and friends from the conference, which I'm, I'm happy to see. Um, just a quick, quick bit of um, catch up. For those of you who've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know, I did take a, a few months off over the summer, which went really well. I'm happy to report that uh, the book that I was working on got finished, and it was actually a very productive summer break. I think I'll probably do it again uh, next summer, most likely, because it went so darn well. Um, but I'm happy to be back. There are going to be uh, some regularly scheduled Book Faces Live episodes again. Um, and I was really looking forward to coming back with this one, because last year, the uh, Novelist Inc. conference um, wrap-up was... Uh, one of the most popular, most downloaded episodes because a lot of people want to get that information because not everyone can make the Novelist Inc. conference uh, every year. And uh, even if you do go, as people know, there's a, sort of a choose-your-own-adventure format to, to the way that the, the, the program is set up. So you could have a, an entirely different experience from another author. Um, I see yeah, a few more comments. That's great. Uh, Joseph says, hey, Marilyn says, I think I hear a fan. Yes, I apologize if there's some background fan noise. That is my uh, laptop having a little bit of a moment. Um, I've just got a lot of stuff running in the background, I guess. It's just having a hard time keeping up, staying cool. So despite the fact that it's actually sitting on a tray of ice right now, believe it or not, um, just try to keep the, cool, the temperatures down. So if you're doing a podcast, here's tip number one. Maybe don't use the MacBook Air because the, the 2018 edition does not cool itself very well. So you may get some background fan noise. Apologies for those of you listening, uh, especially the podcast. If you get a little bit of background white noise there, that's what that is. Unfortunately, there's nothing I can do about it right now. Um, but yes, I'm happy to see some people watching. Uh, Patrick O'Donnell's watching. Another fa friendly face I saw from the uh, conference at, at Nink. And I'm excited to chat with you guys about my personal experience with the conference, and you guys can compare to how it, how it matched up with your experience. Or if you're new and you haven't had a chance to go to a Nink conference yet, um, you can you know learn a little bit about what it's about. It's, a, it's an amazing conference with a lot of really talented authors who are willing to share their information, and the speakers are great. It's it's always a hit every year. So I'm happy to dive into it. Um, this episode may run a little longer than the standard half hour just because there is so much material to get through. There was obviously, you know, going to Nink is like drinking from a fire hose when it comes to information. That there's so many talented people and there's so much information to absorb that your to-do list ends up super long and there's never enough time to, to process all of it. So for me, this episode is a great way for me to sit down, go through my notes, find out the highlights, the things that really resonated with me, prioritize them and say, okay, this is what I want to tackle this next month or this next year in my author career uh, and sort of assign those goals. And I hope that you will get some information from these as well. Whether you were there and went to, to the same you know, presentations I did, you may have gotten something different from them than I did. So I, I hope that my, my tips are useful. Uh, if you weren't there, then I hope they're, they're useful as well. And I hope that you'll be able to join us again next year at, at NINC 2019 here in, in St. Pete. It's, a, it's an amazing conference, like I said. Uh, can't wait to see everyone again next year. And of course, I'm looking forward to seeing a lot of these familiar faces that I hung out with in future 
episodes of Book Faces Live. A lot of the, the folks I was hanging out with there were all previous guests of the show. I highly recommend if you're new to Book Faces Live, if you want to go back through the past 80 episodes we have so far, you can check out some of the incredibly talented authors who have already been on as guests and I hope to have on again as well. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun getting to hang out with them this past week and uh, I look forward to um, having more of them in the future, more conversations. And I think this next year I'm going to dive a little bit deeper into the craft elements of the show, um, getting into the, the behind the scenes of how writers write. And uh, we've covered a lot of the marketing stuff, but of course we'll, we'll have a few different topics. I've got a couple ups, upcoming episodes. Uh, we've got a YA adventure episode coming up with Yesenia Vargas. We've also um, got a potential uh, oops, and, oops and mistakes blunders uh, episode where we're going to talk about um, you know, things that we've done wrong in the past and how we've learned from them. So that's going to be a fun episode. So without too much further ado, I don't want to spend too much time uh, talking about things that aren't Nick related because there's so much good content to get to. So uh, for those of you who are, are authors and, and um, you know, take, you took your own notes probably, but you might want to jot some of these down too. So uh, tip number one for people, especially if you haven't come to Nink before, is that the conference actually starts a little bit before the conference starts. The official start of the conference is usually on a Wednesday. Uh, registrations are in the afternoon, and then the conference officially kicks off on a Wednesday night. However, that does not mean that the conference hasn't already begun elsewhere. There are a couple of other pre-NINK festivities that I highly recommend that you, you come and sign up for. Um, for example, my first tip of, of the night, or the tip, tip of today, actually came from Monday night. I picked up David Gogger from the airport, and we drove down to the uh, Tradewinds, where the, where the resort is um, hosting the, the conference. And we wandered out back to the Tiki Bar, which is on the beach there, and is the hub of a lot of knowledge at Nink. If you were just sitting around having drinks at the Tiki Bar, you can learn a lot of things. And my first tip of the day actually comes from that conversation. I was there um, with uh, David, of course, and then also uh, Lucy Score was there, and her um, significant other, Mr. Lucy, who is mysterious and will remain anonymous, uh, but he is also a wealth of knowledge. So his first his tip, which he happened to mention to me, which was the uh, existence of the Chase Inc. credit card, which I did not know is a credit card that actually gives you points and money back on social media purchases. So if, if you're an author like myself who spends a great deal of money on Facebook advertising, um, every month, or you know, you might spend thousands a month or thousands a year at least, you know, on Facebook ads and trying to run campaigns. Here's a little way to get some of that money back. Here's, um, they, I, th- I believe it's three percent you can get back in either either points or money, cash back. And, it, and there's not too many credit cards out there that do that for social media purpose, you know, for purchases that related to social media. So check that out. It's one of the top things on my to-do list. Is um, go ahead and investigate that card and see if we can't re. re- you know, get some of that money back. We're spending a lot of money on advertising. Wouldn't hurt to have some of that come back in the way of airline miles or points that we could, you know, use to go off and have a writer's retreat, go hang out in the Bahamas where Lucy Score and Mr. Lucy are right now. So um, we could join them all next year if we use the same credit card. So that's the Chase Inc. uh, credit card. Uh, Check out their options for uh, social media purchases. So that was just Monday night. That was well before the conference ever started. Um... I also ran across um, some some wonderful authors on Tuesday. There, uh, Mark Lefebvre does a, a wonderful books and brews tour. We all uh, met up downtown and wandered around some of the local breweries. I highly recommend that tour if, if Mark does it again. Um, I have a comment that says, can you say the name of the card, 
again, please. Uh, that was the Chase Inc. card. Okay, I guess it's a business card from Chase. So look up Chase Inc. card and see if um, you can investigate how to set, up, set it up to get points back for social media purchases. Like I said, I haven't done it yet myself. This was a tip that I plan to, to jump on um, shortly here, um, but we can report back on, on how well it works if anyone has, has issues. Um, that's a tip to share. All right, so yeah, Tuesday we got together with Books and Brews. I had a wonderful conversation um, with Jay Falconer on this, and he reemphasized to me the importance of trademarking. Um, there's been some, a lot of talk about trademarks over the past uh, couple years, especially with some incidents that went on in the um, author community where people trademark things kind of inappropriately, but it also kind of has put a spotlight on the importance of trademarking. If, and if you have more than one book in a series and you have a series name that crosses more than one published book or a series name that crosses more than one published book, it's a good idea for you to trademark that just for your own protection. Uh, because I thought erroneously previously that if you had already published a book and it was under this particular name, that you would have the trademark or you would have the copyright on it and Amazon would honor that if someone later on were to come along and jump on your name or jump on your series name and then trademark or try to trademark it. Um, but that's not the case. Like Amazon will go with whoever has the trademark. So if you don't trademark your stuff and then someone else comes along and names their series the same series name as you and they get the trademark on it, they can make you change all of your stuff. It doesn't matter if you've been out for years. If you've had the book out for five, 10 years, it doesn't matter. You're now in violation of this trademark and Amazon will rule in favor of the person who holds the trademark. So scary situation, not likely to happen necessarily, but it's something that if you, if you do have a series name that, that you um, are precious about and you don't want to run into this problem, look into trademarking your stuff. It's, it's important and it's something that's on the top of my list to do as well. Uh, I do believe you need to have at least two books out in the series published already with the same um, series title or series name to, to trademark it. You can't just trademark one title name or one, one book. Um, okay, so that was a, a Tuesday tip that before the conference began as well. Um, Thursday was actually when the conference started uh, officially, where you actually jump in and start going to sessions. And um, I went to a number of sessions that day. I'm going to get to them. Um, I'm not necessarily going to do these all in order, and I'm not going to cover every session I went to because it's just un, uh, not all of them, you know, necessarily resonated with me. I'm, and it's it would be it would take far too long to cover um, all of them. So I'm just going to hit the ones that really struck a note with me. And like I said, it may have um, hit different people different ways. Last year, I was very focused on the marketing side. So I went to like the Mark Dawson stuff. I went to David Gogren stuff. This year I focused a little bit more on craft. So my first uh, session I went to uh, was Growth Hack a Bestseller with uh, Liz Pelletier, who is an, an editor and also publisher. And a couple of the things I got from her talk um, reinforced one of the things that I'm doing now as a, as a method of writing, which I think is interesting. She's actually publishing books by starting out beta testing the cover. She gets the cover and the title and writes the blurb before she even gets the author to write the book, which I think is a, an interesting way of publishing. And it's um, whether you think that's a, a good way or not, as far as, you know, there's, I know people that do this, and it's becoming more mainstream, where she actually goes out and tests the cover, tests the title, tests the blurb, before she ever invests in, in any time and um, effort in turning this into a book. Because if no one likes it, then you may as well, you know, 
fix it now before the book's written. And then you sort of write the book that, that ends up fitting that cover and that blurb. Um, because, and she's obviously in the position of a, of a publisher who's selling to Walmart, Target, major booksellers. Um, so she's going out and actually getting them to commit to sales before the book's even written, which I think is really interesting. But why it resonated with me is because um, this past year, when I started writing my new series, I picked up on the Novel Factory um, software program and then sort of incorporated some of those methods into my own like Scrivener use in how I plot and plan a book. And it starts out with writing the one-sentence description, or the hook, basically, the tagline, then working that into a blurb, basically, a paragraph description of the book, and then expanding that out into a story. So for me, that's really been working, and it's interesting to see that reflecting in the publishing space as well now, where people are actually starting to sell the book that way, not just write the book that way. So it's something to think about. Um, if you're writing the book, and then later on trying to do the cover and the blurb and trying to make it all match up at the end, and if that's challenging for you, Maybe try flip-flopping the process. Try getting your cover, writing your blurb, doing all your hooks and stuff in advance, getting all your sales copy and images and all that things sorted out before you ever even and sell it. And then try testing some of those things. Test those things out on you know, a beta audience. You can use um, testing sites like PicFu, things like that, and actually see, oh, will people actually choose this cover or not? So maybe do some more testing in advance. So um, some tips for success that she mentioned in that was uh, the idea of the high concept book. If you have to have a high concept hook to really have a bestseller, um, it's got to be something memorable, of course, and the, the high concept ideas are, are very memorable. They're things that, um, and, and I'm seeing something here about it this scheduled time. I hope everyone's still watching. I still see people watching. I think everything's going well. I think it's just an issue with my phone not seeing the comments. But if you're leaving comments, um, I'm getting them as they pop up, so I should still be able to reply. This is a live show. Feel free to answer your, uh, ask your questions. If I don't get a chance to answer all your questions in the comments um, as we're talking, I will go on and, and answer them after the fact or try to um, have the discussions in the comments section. So feel free to leave the comments, even if I don't have the opportunity to get to them. All right, um, so she also talked about the measuring the velocity of this idea. There's an idea where um, while you're doing this testing, sort of like put it out there and see how quickly people start liking it and um, using that as sort of a metric to, to determine the actual, you know, the viral nature of a book. So um, that's a little bit out there in terms of concepts, but you can check out um, Liz Pelletier's um, stuff and find out a little bit more about her. I think she's got a lot of fun things to say. Uh, one thing that I really did like as a takeaway was when she was talking about writing your blurb, she said, list or choose the three things that are most likely to sell your book, the three elements um, that you think are the, make a whole list of them, then choose the three that you think are the most likely to sell that book and then structure your blurb around those three items, which I thought was a, a really useful, practical tip for what coming to write your blurb and uh, making sure that it'll sell. Also make it uh, experiential was one of the things that she talked about. Um, and she actually did a list of um, questions that you can ask your beta team. So I'm gonna go ahead and list those because I think they're interesting. If you do have a beta team uh, and you want to test the the, the the book after you've written it and you want to have them read your book and there's a few questions you can ask just to kind of determine if everything is working so i'm just going to list those for you um did this feel like listening to a friend tell a story because people relate to the experience of being having a story told in a storytelling fashion obviously that's important do you believe the characters had no other choices character believability is huge 
in a reader experience? Uh, were you ever bored? Did you ever guess what was going to happen next? Don't want to be predictable, obviously. Uh, did you like these characters? Did you like the story? Um, did you feel the story was interesting enough to be told? That's another way of kind of rephrasing the same question, but in a different way, maybe getting a slightly different response from your beta readers. Um, did you feel it was complex without being complicated? Uh, I have a tendency sometimes to get a little convoluted in my plots and you don't want to confuse the reader. Is this the sort of story or book you'd read more than once? Which I think is a very uh, telling question to ask your readers. If, you think, if they think that they would uh, read the book over again, um, that's the sign of a, a really good hit. I, and then obviously hits have to be re-readable. If you want to write a bestseller, people should be able to reread the thing. All right, so that's some, some good tips there from Liz Pelletier and Growth Hack Bestseller. Um, the other, uh, the next talk I went to, or one of the next talks I went to was uh, by Sarah Cannon, who has uh, heartbreathings.com, and her talk was on productivity and planning. I am not naturally a planner. Um, it's something that I struggle with in terms of organization, so this was helpful for me to get some useful tips on how to plan and schedule your life uh, and your business. So she had four P's that went along with this talk, uh, which were picture, prioritize, plan, and perform. And I'll break those down really quickly. Um, so picture comes to uh, the idea of your ideal life and your grandest vision. She used the analogy of the author GPS, where a lot of us know how to function as authors. We know how to write. We know how to do tasks. But we sometimes lose track of the end goal of those tasks. What is it we're actually headed towards? Like, and she compared it to driving a car and trying to get somewhere. If you're trying to get to Florida and you're coming from up north, you don't just sort of get in the car and aim vaguely south. You have to have a specific destination in mind. And the more specific your goals, the more direct and productive your path will be to get there. So when she says, before you do any of these other things, like prioritize or plan, you should have a, a specific picture in your mind of what your goal is. Are you working towards a clearly defined uh, idea of success? What will be success for this year, for the next few months, however you want to do it? And she is um, she promotes this sort of 90-day plan of having like a quarter. Now is a good time to start it. Obviously, we're into a, a new um, new quarter of the year. It's a good time to like look at a three-month span and say, what are my goals for these three months? What do I really specifically want to accomplish? What are some of the things along the way that are going to be my guideposts? So I have this GPS, so I'm not wandering all over the place and hopefully hitting it, that target. We should be much more focused in our, in our goals. Um, so having the picture, obviously, you got to spend some time figuring out what your goal is if you're ever going to hit it. Um, so prioritize. I love, really love this quote from Stephen Covey that she used, which was, don't prioritize your schedule, schedule your priorities, which we are very... Uh, easily controlled by our to-do list as opposed to the other way around. We should be itemizing our, our uh, to-do list based on those specific goals, especially in our 90-day plan or whatever it is our, our success plan is. We should make sure that our to-do list actually aligns with those goals because if it doesn't align, again, we're wandering off course. We're, we're doing things that don't actually contribute to our goal. Okay, so I thought that was a very important way of looking at how we prioritize, and we'll get into that a little bit more. Uh, for tip number three, or the step number three was the plan. Uh, this was an interesting thing that I had never heard of before, something called the, uh, 
Kanban board, which is a sort of uh, visualization tool. You've put your, she, she recommended uses, using post-it notes. Some of them are horizontal where you have three sections basically, which is the to-do list, the currently working on list, and then the things accomplished list. And she turns it sideways and has it be vertical so that she can move things from the top down to the middle to the actively working on space and then down to the these are the things I've accomplished space and she saves all those accomplishments so that at the end of the quarter she can look back and be like look at all the things I've accomplished so the, the, the idea is to write everything that you've got to do that's a focused goal on the top a ton of post-it notes you can do them in different colors you can you can lay it out by months you can do month one month two month three depending on the size of your plan as you tackle things you look at that top top list of things you prioritize based on your goals. You move those down to the things I'm working on right now space. You accomplish that goal, and then you move it down to the to the things I've finished space. Okay, and you keep slowly whittling that down, and things will eventually all migrate like an hourglass from the top of the board down to the bottom of the board. And theoretically, by the end of your 90 days, you, you should have accomplished all of the things on your to-do list. Okay, if you have new things that keep wanting to push themselves in there, you have to Resist that urge and put them onto your next quarter board or whatever your next space is. And she referred to it as the future idea parking lot, which I think is a, a fantastic um, you know, concept. And I like that name for it. Because we are very uh, prone to loading too many things into the hopper of our to-do list and not focusing on the ones that we started with. Again, we lose sight of our goals. We need to keep those on the future ideas list. And she recommends doing... Um, Three different lists. Start start out by making three different lists. Start sort everything you need to do into like your everything board, your everything list, which is going to be like all your responsibilities, obligations, things you can't get out of uh, doing that you have to absolutely do. List those, but then also list the things that you think you should do. For example, maybe you're listening to this talk. You think, oh, maybe I should get that credit card that Nathan mentioned. Um, that could be like, oh, that's maybe on my things. You don't have to do it right now. It's not a massive priority. You don't, you're not obligated to do it, but it's something that, you know, maybe you need to learn how to do better Instagram posts, whatever it is, put that on your should do. And then you should also have a, a, a want to do list. These are the things I really want to try to accomplish. And obviously your to do list should be a combination of those things and in, in where they, in where they can go as you progress and um, actually perform these tasks. So the, the last step is of course, perform and by using this particular organizational method, you will have a more focused goal. You'll be driven in a particular direction towards your actual goals and success without wandering off so much. So I thought that was very uh, useful. So Kanban board, something to look up. Um, like I said, she turns it sideways. I liked the idea of, of uh, having it be a vertical flow as opposed to being a uh, horizontal flow. All right, so um, the other quote that she ended with or that I ended with as far as what, what I took away was don't be busy, be productive. And I think that's a great goal as an author. Okay, so moving on. Um, another talk that I went to which I want to discuss was Chris Fox. He was there and he did a, um, a talk relating to how we find our, our key audience. And there's a variety of things that he talked about. Um, but one of the things that I focused in on was, was his particular method of identifying your core reader. Of course, we look for things like um, their age group, um, their you know, demographics in terms of like what they read, who they're like. You, you should have sort of an ideal reader in your mind. But what he does, which I think is really interesting, <clears throat> is he doesn't focus on 
the reader as they are now, he actually dials it back to who that reader was when they were eight. Uh, and he used a very uh, um, touching story about it from his personal life that kind of took us back to eight-year-old Chris and what he was like at that time and why he escaped into fiction in the first place. A lot of, you know, the the benefits of understanding your reader you know, tie into, I know last year we had this wonderful talk from Jennifer Barnes about the psychology of why we even read in the first place. Chris is using some of that psychology here as well, where we're looking at why did this particular person who is your target reader start reading? What are their touchstones, their cultural touchstones um, that they identify with? And if you can start to dive back in time a little bit into that core reader, and this resonated with me because I write adventure stories. The reason why I write adventure stories is because Eight-year-old me loved to read adventure stories. The stuff I was reading was Treasure Island, Count of Monte Cristo, classic adventure novels, The Neverending Story. These were things that resonated with me at that age, and they are deeply a part of who I am as a reader, and therefore they are now also deeply a part of me as a, as a writer. But we should understand that about our readers, that they all came from like a baby reader. And you can he used the example of Stranger Things, as being something that is touching, touching on uh, a cultural uh, symbology that we recognize. A lot of my generation who grew up in the 80s are resonating with this, with this show because of the fact that it takes us back to when we were that age. It's, it's the experience of the world that we're reliving that was very important and formative to us. So if you can go in and sort of figure out who your audience is as an author, and then maybe dial the clock back a little bit. Figure out how old your average reader is or, or who your you know, audience is. And then dial the clock back to where were they when they were eight? What were some of the things that were going on? What were the cultural concepts that they were dealing with? What were uh, some of the symbols that they were being exposed to? Can you start to use more of those symbols and um, touchstones in your fiction? Is this something that, that will be more likely to resonate with those readers. And it makes sense that it will because uh, the more closely we identify our target audience, the more uh, easily we can connect with them and the more likely we are to build lifelong fans of our work because they're connecting with us through our fiction. Not only will they connect through us you know, via social media and all the other ways that you know, authors are now able to be talked to, um, but they will just really deeply resonate with the stories. And if they never reach out, they never send an email, even if they never follow you on any social media, you will have reached them on a, on a deep level that will make them keep wanting to read, read your stuff. And it makes sense, too, to understand your own self as a reader. And this was something that um, you know, I, I really resonated with. So, and he also talked about just the idea of using symbols in fiction, uh, in your advertising, in your cover design, things that will, will touch to those emotional points in, in a reader's experience. He talked about the psychology of this a little bit. He showed an example of a snake and talked about how when we see a snake, we have a visceral reaction. We have a, a fight-or-flight reaction to seeing a snake. It's, it's inherent in us as creatures because we have a long cultural history with a rattlesnake. However, he says... You'll, your body will give you that same jolt of adrenaline if you see a stick that's shaped like a snake and just for a second you think it's a snake. It's not a real snake. It's not actually a threat. But your body still reacts and gives you that, that shock, that uh, adrenaline rush, um, as if it were the real thing. And that's what we're doing in fiction. We're creating experiences 
livable experiences for the reader that they're experiencing in their minds in a real way because of the fact that they are able to recognize those symbols the same way that we recognize the shape that a snake takes, even though that shape is actually a stick in this case, our minds automatically recognize that as, as what we experience. And um, so the more we can do that, the more we can find the symbols that resonate with our readers. Um, and in his case, he's talking about you know fantasy. He obviously uses a lot of dragons. He uses um, military spaceships, things like that. He's, he's going for readers who, who want a very specific thing. So he has identified a lot of the symbols that go along with that and make sure to rely heavily on those symbols because it works and, and really connects for a deeper experience for the reader, which is what we all want. Okay, another talk I went to, which I thought was excellent, was uh, Becca Syme, who has the Write Better Faster series. Becca Syme is actually a coach. You uh, may know her as the uh, writer of the recent book, Dear Writer, You Need to Quit. One of the cool things she did during the, the talk was she actually gave away you know, 100 plus copies of this book to um, the authors who were in attendance, and I got one, which I was very excited about. So I scored a free book, and I have already read some of it, and I think it's excellent. It's a quick read. It's not super, super dense, but it's um, got some really good uh, strong points that I recommend. And she has a whole series of them coming out, and she coaches writers a lot on their uh, strengths. And one of the things that really resonated with me was the concept that we can't do everything. Like, we can't be good at everything. And as much as we might want to be, uh, we have to focus in and double down on the things that we are already good at. Because, not that we can't learn new things, obviously, but she has found, uh, this is what I took away from it, that those of us who already have natural strengths, if we were to double down on those strengths, we can excel um, past what um, you know others can achieve necessarily who aren't naturally good at those things. So we should spend some time um, focusing on where our real strengths are. You can look at your reviews. You can look at um, your reader feedback. What are what are the talents that you have as a writer that set you apart from others? Is there a way to dial that up? Can you increase your uh, focus on that as opposed to focusing on a million other things and really set yourself apart even further? as the person, the writer, who, is, who really delivers on, on this particular point. And that's something that we often lose sight of. There's so many things to do in the author business, so many jobs we have to take on, so many hats to wear, that we try to spread ourselves really thin. Um, but this was a, a good way for us to, to focus a little bit. Um, she said there was a, a quote from Michael Jordan, which I thought was good, focus like a laser, not like a flashlight. And it just... It hit me, and I was like, yep, uh, I can relate to that because I do try to do everything, but I really should this year take a look at where my real strengths are and, and double down on those. Okay, um, another talk that I went to that I thought was excellent was uh, Kalytics. Alex from Kalytics came and did a sort of market analysis for us, which I thought was excellent. He did a big overview of the, the industry in general where things are going, trends, and obviously it depends. I'm not gonna go into too many of the trends because they're genre specific. So you might be writing something completely different than me. If you're writing mysteries and thrillers, then the stuff that I wrote down doesn't apply to you because I'm writing YA and I'm writing science fiction. Um, couple interesting things that he did in terms of testing, which I thought was useful. He went to the top 100 list on all these different genres and he noted all of the 
books, and he compared whether they the top 100 was consisted of Kindle books, print books, audiobooks, etc. Just by looking at them, you can tell. Well, is this a paperback edition? Is this a ebook edition? Is this an audiobook edition? And I found that interesting because there was a, a wide difference across the platform depending on what you wrote. For example, if you were writing romance, something like 96% of the top 100 list was ebooks. The majority of romance readers seem to be buying and purchasing an ebook. Not to say that they can't, they're not buying print, but zero print books were in the top 100, which means and only 4% were audio. So that 96% of romance books were in the top 100 um, as of that morning were ebooks. So that's something to, to think about if you're in that genre. Um, to compare, the uh, sci-fi market had a, a fair share of print books, but 46% or some, some amount around the 40%, the low 40% was audio, which I thought was fascinating that audiobook readers are taking to sci-fi like crazy. And it was the third highest category above um, self-help and um, business books. Self-help and business books are obviously huge in audio. Uh, people are listening to them on the way to work, they're commuting, they're listening to them at the gym, whatever it is. Um, this is a, a business-focused, you know, non-fiction genre. But of the other fiction genres, sci-fi was being rapidly consumed in audio. Uh, so 40-something percent of the top 100 were actually audio editions that were in the top top 100. So I think that was fascinating. So audio across the board throughout this conference, there was a variety of other um, topics that and you know presentations. Uh, Dave Chesson, I'm going to talk about in a few minutes from um, Kindlepreneur, also did a, a wonderful talk. But across the board, audio is growing. So if there's one big thing I took away in general from Alex's talk was that to invest in audio, um, you know, if you don't already have your backlist in audio, get it into audio. Um, especially if you're writing in sci-fi because the market is there and it's growing. Every year the market is growing for audio. We all have, you know, I mean, these aren't even my usual earbuds. I got the, the wireless ones and I'm wandering around and I'm listening to audio myself all the time in the car or walking the dog. You know, we have the device in our hand. The phone is, is right there. We all have the computer. Let's use it. Let's take advantage of that audio. Um, so that's that was a big one. Um, Alex is actually very fun. I mean, he, he's... Um, He's funny, so if you ever have a chance to, to talk to Alex, he's he does a great presentation. For for a guy who loves data, he actually does a, a really uh, enjoyable and entertaining presentation. So I'm very happy that I went to that. Uh, if you are looking for the hottest new uh, genre to write in, he said the one that was super hot right now is actually vigilante justice. So there you go. If you're trying to write to market, check out vigilante justice because it's currently a, a hot market. Um, John says, we're going back in time to the radio shows of the 30s and 40s with sound effects and music. Yep, what goes around comes around. I agree. Yeah, like we do like radio. We do like audio. And listening to the experience, of course, I mean, now Alexa can, can read you an audiobook. That There's a lot of ways that we can interact with, with audio now that, that um, are coming back around. And I, I agree, John. Okay, so let me dive into Dave Chesson's talk. Dave Chesson is from Kindlepreneur. And if you've never been to Kindlepreneur.com, I highly recommend you visit because it is one of the first places I ever send anyone if they are new to the business 
And if they haven't already read his blog and, and used some of his tools, um, there's, it's, a, it's a wealth of knowledge. Um, I use the Kindle calculator there. I use the Kindle blurb generator tool there. And of course, I'm uh, a big user of Publisher Rocket, which is his paid software tool that you can use to search your keywords and categories and, and compare markets. Um, Dave, of course, wonderful guy, doesn't require you to um, purchase his you know, tool. Obviously, that makes your life easier, and I think you should, because it's worth its weight in gold. But um, you can, he'll, he'll teach you how to do it all on your own. If you want to go to Kindlepreneur and figure out how the system works, you can do it manually. You can go to Amazon and start typing in keywords in the search bar and see what drops down. And you can start doing the category research yourself. There's no obligation to buy from Dave. Um, like I said, if you want to get Publisher Rocket, I personally use it all the time, um, and I'm not endorsing, you know, something that I don't, you know, I'm not getting paid to, to talk it up, but I've had Dave on the show before, and uh, the only compensation I've got is he did give me a cool sticker the other day when I was there. He's like, oh, I have one of these cool Publisher Rocket stickers, and I'm like, yes, I will. I will take it. So, uh, but yeah, I don't have any affiliate links or anything like that with him, so I, you can know that I legitimately love, love the product, and I'm going to talk a little bit about his talk, because his talk was full of knowledge. Um, there are a few things I can't talk about. There were a few uh, proprietary things for Nink members that I won't discuss just because it was uh, specifically for people who are there. But if you are a Nink member, um, I'm happy to talk to you about it you know, offline. We can, we can do chats. But I'm going to go over some of the general stuff. And um, he did solve some mysteries for us with data research, which I thought was great, especially with whether keywords are effective in certain places. And the big focus was on keywords in your title and keywords in your subtitle. Subtitles are, are very powerful. Uh, they're weighted very highly in terms of search and rank. And we talked a lot about the idea between indexing versus um, rank. Um, so there's ways that you can get your book to show up a lot of places on Amazon. And by having keywords in your, in your book description, in your subtitle, in your title, um, it gets you located. And of course, in the uh, seven keyword spots you've got in your metadata, you can actually choose to put um, your book into a lot of places. Whether that's a good idea or not depends on you because um, you want to be able to, again, be focused on your ideal reader and want them to have a, a good experience with what they're searching for because this popularity list that you, that you land on, if someone types in a keyword um, on Amazon, there's a list of, of things that are going to come up. And most likely, the most relevant ones are going to stay at the top, and they're going to stay relevant based on the search-to-click-to-buy ratio. Basically, how often something searched, how often this particular thing is presented and clicked on, how often those people go on to actually buy that book. Um, that all relates to the relevance of this particular item and how high it sits. He did talk about how important it is to be at the top of the page. Um, the number one entry on any given search result gets 27% of the clicks. Um, the number two spot gets 12% of the clicks, then it goes down to like six for a while, nine, six, and then diminishing returns. If you get past like page two, like you're getting very few clicks if it takes you that, that long to find your book for a particular keyword. So being able to maximize your visibility for a particular keyword is, becomes very important. And obviously you have to have a cover that converts, you have to have a blurb that converts, and you have to have a price that converts in order to stay there, but there are ways to get yourself relevant um, and get yourself indexed for particular search terms. And that's a lot of what, um, yes, uh, Augusta says, that percentage at the top of the page was eye-opening. Yeah, 
27 percent of the, of the people clicking on the first thing is huge like if you are the number one spot for a long time i actually was very fortunate enough that for years i had a, I had a perma free book that was number one in the search results for time travel you just typed in time travel mine used to be in the number one spot for years and it got clicked a lot and it was a freebie so it got downloaded a lot and it stayed there i eventually changed it to change the price and did some other things and it's no longer there anymore unfortunately but it lived there for like two years and i can i can verify that the downloads were much higher than any other thing I've put out for free since. And um, yeah, it's very eye-opening to like, just if you're number three or number four, you think, oh, well, that's good enough, you're on the same page, but it's really not. There's a lot of psychology to it. And being, num- being able to rank number one um, is very valuable. So there's ways to improve your ranking. <clears throat> um, and you may not want, you can index for a lot of things, but you may want to really concentrate your efforts on um, getting your readers to find you through a particular time travel, you know, like a keyword. Like in my case, it was time travel. Like I wanted people to be able to find me on that one, so I concentrated a lot of my efforts on that. Um, so ways we can we can influence that, of course. Like I said, your sub having uh, relevant keywords in your subtitle, using a subtitle at all. If you don't have one already, try to use a subtitle. Try to use some relevant keywords in that subtitle that are very specific for for the popularity list that you're wanting to land on. Um, also, the degree of text matching is, is an important part of uh, Amazon's ability to index you for the right keyword. So how much of your text actually matches what the person is typing in. So what you want to do is go to the search bar, start typing in the keyword, see what pops up. How much of that text is, is accurate and matches what you're putting in your metadata? Or how much of that text is accurate for how much is in your blurb? Can you get very specific and get things that are actually being typed and are in that drop-down menu that shows up? Can you get those phrases specifically in your keywords search? Um, that'll help you rank better for that particular term. Okay, so that makes sense. Um, and then he does talk about the idea of consistent sales because while there are ways to sort of, you know, people will obviously try to game this system. People will try to get themselves to show up for, for keywords that they may not necessarily belong. Um, but the system will eventually weed that out because if you don't deserve to be there, if you're not legitimately getting clicks for that keyword, if you're trying to put your vampire romance in the superhero category, you're like, oh, well, he's immortal and he's bulletproof, so I'm going to make him a superhero. No, he's not. He's a vampire. So like, if you put that vampire book to rank super high up for superhero, but it shows a cover that looks like Twilight, superhero readers aren't going to be like, no, that's clearly a superhero. No, they're going to skip past it. They're going to click on something else. And that item search to click to buy ratio is going to be higher than yours. So it's going to move up and you're going to drop back down to where you deserve. So don't try to game the system. Try to find the keywords that, that really do apply to your book. Again, going back to um, what Liz Peltier says, find the three things that are going to sell your book. Focus your blurb around that. Focus your keywords around that. Focus your subtitle around that. Find the few things that you think are really going to sell. Um, so, you know, that, that's just some tips that, that he used and I thought was fantastic. Um, one of the things, that, the quotes he said, which I thought was great, was, um, if you confuse, you lose. And that's very much the truth of the Amazon shopping experience for customers. If they can't tell what your book is by looking at it, by looking at the cover, by looking at the subtitle, and especially if they can't figure it out by looking at your actual hook and blurb, it's not going to sell well. So clarity is, is key. Make sure that your cover clearly conveys your genre. 
Make sure that you, if, it, if you can't get your genre to be clearly depicted on your cover, make sure that it shows up in your title or subtitle. And then make sure that the people that are actually clicking on it are getting what they expect. If they're going to read that book, you want, and if you want read through the rest of the series, you can't trick anybody. Um, you've got to get your actual target, target market to read. If you confuse, you lose. Okay. Um, so that was a lot of the, the ones I wanted to cover, the, the big ones. Um, there were a few tips in terms of like book recommendations, things like that. There were a lot of other um, talks I went to as well, but not all of them were necessarily worth, worth mentioning. You can, um, oh, one other excellent one that I went to was Damon Swade's talk, but I have recently had him on as a podcast episode. So if you go back through the podcast history and listen to Damon Swade's um, talk on how he writes character and how he, um, he, he's obviously been doing this for 30 years. He's a very dynamic speaker and, um, I highly recommend you check out that episode and you can also check out his, his list or his, uh, his book verbalize, which covers a lot of the material that was in his talk and how we can choose action words to define our characters. He's a riot. He's, he's a blast to, to listen to in person or to, to read his book. So I highly recommend Damon. Um, <clears throat> Uh, let's see who else. Uh, I also had a recommendation um, for Rock Your Plot by Kathy Yardley. I've not read it yet, but it was a recommendation. Oh, um, here's another good tip. Book Brush was there, and Book Brush is one of the vendors who helps you to create <clears throat> useful um, ad imagery. Um, there's a lot of templates there that you can just upload your book cover and it automatically goes into a nice pretty picture that you can put on Facebook or Instagram. It's a little bit more angled towards romance writers than it is towards uh, sci-fi and things like that, but they do have a searchable database of free images um, that you can use once you're a BookBrush member. But what was exciting to me, and the reason why I went ahead and, and joined, or I upgraded my account rather, they do have a, a free account where you can get up to three images a month or something like that for free. Um, I upgraded my account because um, they have a new feature, an instant feature, where you can take 90 or 100 different images and just with one click, basically, put your cover and have it show up in all of them. Like, you can choose the ones you want, or you can just be like, uh, I'm just go ahead and make them all, and I'll delete the ones that I don't want. Um, and it takes about four seconds per image for it to process it all. And you end up with this whole file full of already made custom Instagram, Facebook, and um, uh, bookbub-sized like images, and they may or may not work. Yeah, I may have to go in and like customize them and add some things, you know, to them. Obviously, some of them are gonna like my books. I don't want a bunch of flowers and roses um, for my action adventure, but there are some that are excellent for me, and I can just throw the other ones out. And like I said, it was the work of, of minutes, if that, to sign up, plug my cover in, hit the hit the instant button, have all of them made, and I'm like, well, it, it was painless. So. There is a, a discount code for those of you who are NINC members. I'm not going to share it online, but if you are a NINC member and you didn't go uh, talk to BookBrush to get that code, if you would like the discount code, it, it saves you 20% off of their package. Just message me and I'll, um, I'll let you know what that discount code is and if, you're, if you're a NINC member. If you're not a NINC member, go to NINC next year because it's, they, they do give you a lot of fun discount codes um, for products and things like that. Um, Vellum was there. Drafted Digital was there. Um, there's a lot of good vendors there. BookBub was there. Um, so it's, it's always good to go talk to the people who are the movers and shakers. Um, Damon Courtney was there from BookFunnel and BookFunnel has some new things coming out. If you don't already subscribe to, uh, Damon's, uh, BookFunnel newsletter, I highly recommend BookFunnel as a, as a site. Obviously I use it all the time. 
uh, as a program for delivering your eBooks. But get on his newsletter too because he's got some exciting things coming out um, with what they're doing with audio, being able to do audio direct. And also he's got some other exciting things on the horizon. <clears throat> there were a few things that were announced at Nink that aren't actually available yet. Draft Digital um, has some, some things coming out, so get on their newsletter for sure. Um, there were a few things that were announced from Amazon that didn't turn out to be true, but maybe are on the horizon. Obviously, a lot of you may have gotten the email that allows you to now market into the UK and Germany um, on your AMS ad. So if you haven't been onto your AMS dashboard lately, uh, or your Amazon advertising dashboard, we can now um, target the UK and Germany without having to have an Advantage account. Those of us who are already in the Advantage UK account or have been advertising in the UK for a while, but now everyone's gonna get a shot at it. So that market's about to be um, hit with a lot of new advertisers, but a lot of people may not have figured it out yet. So if you just got the dashboard and you haven't had a chance to jump on there and run some ads to the UK, UK uh, clicks are much cheaper, at least they were up until now. So um, you may be in the front wave of people who are going to go advertise to the UK and also into Germany. Germany is obviously, uh, wasn't open to, to us unless you were um, already somehow in there. I think Mark Dawson was in Germany. A few other people were already in that market, but it's now opened up to the rest of us. So um, go advertise some books in Germany. Get some German readers because it's a big market. A lot of English speaking um, readers over there. And so it's, it's an emerging, growing market. Well, it's not emerging. It's already out, but it's a growing market. So um, you don't necessarily have to have an Advantage account. I know a lot of people were frustrated by how difficult it was to get an Amazon Advantage account in other countries. And now you don't have to worry about it. Now you can just go get it through your dashboard. So that's exciting. Um, there, was, there are some announcements. Uh, I think Amazon is trying to get um, the ability to put different series numbers in. Like if you can put a book zero for your uh, series starter novella or put in like 3.5, 4.5, things like that for in between episodes, as they call them sometimes, where you've got a little novella that might come out in between major series books, your series titles. And so far, some people have tried it with not a lot of success. Um, William Miller says, German market rocks. I make about 200 bucks a month from Germany. All right, good. Well, that's, I guess we have the potential now for the market to increase even more. Um, Cara Beijing is watching. That's fantastic. Boo Walker's watching. Alan Janney's watching. Some of my all time favorite people are watching. Thanks, guys, for, for tuning in. Uh, I appreciate you um, saying hello. Uh, Todd Hodges is watching. Also, amazing. So one of my favorite quotes um, of this conference actually came from Todd Hodges. So uh, a lot of people, when we come down to Nink, obviously a lot of um, people talk about how great it is. It was We had beautiful weather. We were fortunate with uh, this year, obviously, there was no red tide or anything like that to make the beach seem less than desirable. It was a beautiful week, beautiful beach weather the whole time, didn't rain. And uh, a lot of people were talking about, oh man, this is like paradise and uh, we should come down and move down here and live here. <clears throat> and Todd's comment was, um, counter argument, what was the last time you felt dry? <laughs> and I thought that was uh, hilarious because we have obviously a lot of humidity down here. So it's like a warm hug you get from Florida. Every time you come down here, there's a little bit of a moist blanket that comes in and uh, wraps you in its comforting uh, wetness when you come down. So you got to get used to the humidity. But, um, so yeah, th there was a lot of good stuff, a lot of good content. Um, I would like to talk about it forever, but I do have to go pick up my daughter uh, a little early from daycare today, so I have to, to jet out and I can't um, do too much more in the way of tips, but I would love to discuss this more. There is going to be some new episodes coming out soon with some more people that I, I'm 
either had conversations with it in Inc. or met at Inc. or just continued a relationship with it in Inc. So you're going to see some of these authors for yourselves. If you're not, if you weren't able to attend the conference, uh, there'll be some new upcoming episodes with interviews, and we'll be we'll be discussing um, more of these elements and things that we we dealt with at the at the conference. I'm also going to be diving into a little bit more craft stuff. I see Claire Taylor's watching. Hi, Claire. Uh, another uh, multi-time guest of the show. Uh, Claire's been on several times and is amazing. She helped me out with my book while, that I was writing during the break. And uh, Claire, I need to get you a copy because I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out. And a lot of that is uh, thanks to your help. So um, so yeah, this has been a, a lot of fun, this conference. And like I said, I'm going to keep diving into some of these topics a little bit more in depth as we go into through the, sh- through the uh, next few episodes of the show. Um, we're going to ramp back up and do sort of a more regular schedule of once a week uh, for the show. And also, like I said, I'm going to dive into a little bit more craft. I want to kind of, my focus the past few months has just been writing, writing, writing. And um, I want to just really dive deep into some of the things that I've been learning and also some of the methods other people are using in terms of how they, they craft their books and things that they've learned about how to become a better writer because that's really what it's all about. This conference in this career is about writing the best possible books you can, making every book you write better than the last book you wrote. And those are some of the things I really want to focus on for this next season of Book Faces Live. I really want to uh, dive into um, making better books. And we will, of course, have a few marketing episodes and things like that here along the way. But uh, I'm going to be having a little bit more of a focus for this next season of uh, episodes on craft. So that's something to look forward to. If you have ideas for craft topics that you would really like to see or episodes that are with people you would really like to see interviewed, be sure to let me know in the comments section. I will be happy to uh, reach out to folks um, and talk to them because this, for me, this show is almost like a continuation of the conference. Uh, there are so many talented people there that you can't possibly talk to everyone. So uh, it's a great opportunity for me to go out and have these conversations with more talented authors and for you all to be able to listen in on those conversations and ask questions and you know we continue this conference all year round um till next year um next conference next thing conference is september 23rd to the 27th i highly recommend if you are interested in coming for the first time make sure you register early it takes a long time to get registered um and i believe conference registration um, cut off is somewhere in July or August, so you have to actually be registered for the conference months in advance, and it takes a little while to become a member prior to that. So you may have to go through a couple months of waiting period just to be, become a member. So check out the site if you haven't already. If you're not a current member, see what the requirements are. Um, if you can't get there, use it as a goal um, for something to get to in, in future years because this, this conference is amazing. Um, like I said, there's a lot of other opportunities for, for hanging out as well. Um, I see Red Phoenix is watching, another um, person who's going to become part of my little local, local author group. So one of the benefits of this conference is meeting new people in the area and sort of having like a mini uh, group here in St. Pete. I, something I highly recommend you do is get out conference network, get to know the other authors in your area so that you can have these little sort of mini conferences all year round. Um, we're doing a, a monthly meetup lunch with some other authors in the area and it's been working out really well to share knowledge. And like I said, you can catch up with people who maybe had an entirely different Nink experience than you did. Um, like I said, it's sort of a choose-your-own-adventure choose format. But um, some other people that I know for a fact are doing some, some breakdowns. Damon Courtney, in his newsletter, just talked about some things from Nink. 
David Gogren, I think just today, put out a, an email about his experience at Nink and some of his takeaways. So um, William Miller says, I hear St. Pete locals are the best people in the whole world. And I, you know, I really can't argue with you. you know, that's, how, how do you argue that? Um, but yeah, so thank you guys for, for tuning in today, for listening to this episode. It will be available uh, later as a podcast. For, and uh, like I said, I will be resuming sort of regular programming. Um, I'm not sure about next week because i got a wedding to go to, but the following week for sure we've got an interview scheduled and there will be more coming up after that. So um, I really appreciate your time and you guys uh, checking out this recap of Nink 2019. If you have additional comments and questions, feel free to throw them up and I would love to uh, continue the conversation in the comment section and I will look forward to uh, hearing from you all again and seeing you all again soon in a future episode of Book Faces Live. Thanks so much and talk to you soon.